0: I guess that uh. makes it all right. you see, I got to lose? That I say,
1: Ferrari <laughs>
2: Hello there, you are listening to the Quarter to Three Movie Podcast for Tower Heist. My name is Tom Chick and I am joined this week as every week by a Christian... Murkowski.
1: Uh, don't bother with my last name. My middle name is Badass.
2: <laughs> and uh, Kelly Wand, who may or may not, stand by to find out, have a tower heist tagline for us this week. Kelly Wand, do you have anything?
0: Yeah. You ready for it? Rock and roll. Ocean's 11 minus the charisma. It's <laughs> kind of a spoiler. No, it's not. It's really not.
2: Uh, well, Kelly Wand, let's get back to you in a moment with some spoilers. But first, if you haven't seen Tower Heist and you don't know what the deal is with this movie, we are mm. going to have Dingus explain it to you in some spoiler-free language.
0: Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I like how you're talking tonight. You just sound like Ben Stiller's character a little bit. <laughs> oh, thank you. Uh, All right, we'll orchestrate. Sorry. that's that's a terrible thing to say i know i meant it in a good way but uh dingus Mom doesn't about- sound bored and tired what are you talking about
2: oh uh, I, well let's table that until we get to talking about tower heist and then we'll see if i can sound bored and tired because I, I predict i can um mm-hmm. but but first that's a spoiler uh first dingus let's not spoil tower heist for anyone uh Tell us a little bit about what it is. What is this movie? Uh, give us some detail without spoiling the
1: plot or anything like that. All right. Well, this week we saw Tower Heist. Mm.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Whose stupid idea was that again?
1: I can't remember. That was mine. I pushed you guys in to see it. I apologize. Uh, but it's I wanted to see 4M. It's a 2011 American action crime comedy movie. Ah. Oh, that's what confused me. It's about a bunch of average Joes trying to get their money back from Bernie Madoff. The film was directed by Brett Ratner mm. and uh. by Ted Griffin and Jeff Nathanson. It stars Ben Stiller, Casey Yafleck. <laughs> Keep going. Uh, Sorry. A bunch, of, a bunch of other people. The movie is rated PG-13 for language and sexual content. Mm because I think because lesbians are mentioned and the word vagina is used a lot of times. All right. Well, that there you have it. Those are the basics of Tower Heist. Now,
2: we have actually seen it. Uh, all three of us, we have a little more to say about it. But before we get into that, Kelly Wand, can you lay out for us the plot in some more detail of Tower Heist? What exactly happens in this movie? Give us, if you will, a, a synopsis. Of of
0: Tower Heist. Oh, well, I'll do my best. But, you know, this movie had, like, seven writers on it, and one of them was Noah Baumbach. So... That's not... Please tell me that's not true. Please, please. It's true. He did a rewrite. Oh,
1: God.
2: He did a rewrite. Is it credited Did Did he ask to have his name taken off of it?
0: Well, if I read about it, he's credited, isn't he? Mm. Well, no, that's a good question. I'll look that up later. when During a lull, if there's a lull talking about Tower Heist, which... Which, All by the way, I'm drawing tomatoes, it's at 68%. Did you know that? Mm, mm. <laughs> What's that? Nothing. All right, do the, I'll do the Tower Heistus. We'll get this out of the way, and then uh, we'll talk about Tower Because I think the production history is more interesting than the movie. Ah, okay. Tower Heistus. <clears throat> this is what I saw. And by the way, I came in 10 minutes late, so maybe I missed even more setup than what I saw so you guys can fill me in on, like, if there's, like, a James Bond kind of opening. What I saw, uh, Ben Stiller plays a chess master hotel concierge with an occasional New York accent who wears lots of mascara. Um, He's a sympathetic protagonist because he gave everybody who works at the hotel's pension plans to brilliantly cast corporate villain Alan Alda, who smelted it all into the shape of a Ferrari and painted it red and moved it into his penthouse, and told everybody that Steve McQueen drove it this one time in the 50s, which satisfies the IRS and millions of inquisitive McQueen fans. Even though Matthew Broderick and a red Ferrari are on hand, I waited the whole movie for a Ferris (laughs) Bueller's Day Off joke of even mediocre quality, but in vain. Then any joke, but in vain. (laughs) the music score kept sounding like some shit was about to go down all the way to the end credits and in my head as I drove home in the rain and while I slept and wrote this simultaneously. But back to tower heist, Matthew Broderick plays a gray haired guy with no job whose skill is grossly miscalculating how much Ferrari's made out of gold way when he's trying to pull them through a shattered skyscraper window. Luckily there's no wind ever because he's the star of the movie Ben Stiller gets mad at Alan Alda for not going to jail, even though he did nothing illegal Merrill Lynch hasn't done. So to reward the wage slaves, Stiller's all, fuck you, Steve McQueen, and beats up Alan Alda's Ferrari with a golf club, which is a jailable offense. But Alda lets it slide because he's evil. He accuses Alda of proving he's evil by not asking whether a fellow employee, Ben Stiller just informed him, walked in front of a subway train, is alive or dead. Although if somebody told me that, I just sort of assumed the not-alive option was in effect. <laughs> that would mean you're evil, of course. See? <laughs> That's a long, mini-stepping stones on that. Uh, anyway, so this dude's in actually pretty decent shape for an old, I think half-black dude who took on a train with his face, since he's in a hospital bed without a mark on him. He acts and talks like he has a head injury, even though it's not bandaged or bruised. I guess his skull cushioned the impact. Anyway, despite whacking the shit out of the Ferrari hood with the golf club, for some reason Ben still doesn't notice all the gold glinting from the chipped bits that his tant has just exposed, until later on during the heist, after they don't find any money in the wall, he was certain it was behind for some reason. Considering all the chess metaphors he dispenses... You'd think Alda might have been smart enough to maybe try camouflaging those gold smudges all over the Ferrari hood for anyone else who might stop by, including the cops who are inventorying and auditing his possessions. But I guess he's too evil, and Ben Stiller's too good at chess, as played with golf clubs. Alda also craftily keeps a bunch of self-incriminating math in a moleskin ledger with the word ledger inscribed in it. But he hides this inside the wall where everybody thinks he's got money cashed instead of just putting it out on his coffee table and claiming it used to be Steve McQueen's ledger. (laughs) In the movie called Ledger. Remember in Fast Five when The Rock and his DEA took apart a whole car and didn't find shit so he made them reassemble it and then he just popped open the glove compartment and he found some microchip that said microchip on it or whatever the fuck? Tower Heist gives even less of a shit than that. Based on 20 minutes of tedious exposition, Ben Stiller decides his only legal recourse is to break into his own hotel and steal the Ferrari by lowering it on a hook outside the windows of the skyscraper during the Macy's Thanksgiving parade, because no one looks up during a televised parade of floats. (laughs) And luckily, there aren't many windows in a skyscraper through which occupants might find the sight of a slowly descending red Ferrari with Matthew Broderick hanging from it vaguely noticeable. (laughs) Let's see. Uh, They keep the security camera, droog distracted by giving him a Playboy, even though that wouldn't be a very long distraction. Although this one's French, although Playboy is the Disney of porn in any language. Another critical aspect of Stiller's heist scheme hinges on all the hotel employees emerging from the same rear entrance during the parade to gawk at a Snoopy float. They don't give a shit about the Shrek and SpongeBob floats because streetwise commoners not debriefed on upcoming heists at the workplace only like comic strip characters from 40 years ago. Plus, it's not like they see this float every year. Also, the big-boned heroine from Sapphire from the novel Precious by Gollum is also in this movie as a maid, who knows how to crack safes, but for some reason prefers her job as a maid. I agree with Tom's cat. Since the money's not in a safe, but disguised as a red Ferrari, her services wind up being sort of redundant in this instance. But Sapphire does earn her keep by trying to poison a white cop or mafioso or something whose job is to guard the door of Alan penthouse by sitting on a chair and remaining unsuspicious. Her poison cake fails to entice him, though, as does the deleted seduction scene, so she tricks him by ramming her room service cart into his legs, which knocks him out. Although since unconscious people don't snore, I guess he's dead. Speaking of race in movies having come a long way, Eddie Murphy plays the Jamie Foxx black criminal character from Horrible Bosses whom the doughy white heroes try to learn street smarts from by paying his bail and hanging out with him. The only smarts we see him teach them, though, is how to get a plastic cockroach in a baggie, and he hands them all bobby pins on a rooftop while he goes inside to fuck Rita. That line's hilarious, or would be if we knew who Rita was. The maid, I guess. If she can do safes, she probably was allowed to skip bobby pin class. Turns out they're not going to be needing any of these skills for the heist, but I'd fuck Rita. (laughs) Eddie Murphy also does like Amber Heard in Rum Diary and presses Ben Stiller's gas pedal down and nearly kills them both (laughs) along with hundreds of pedestrians. So Ben Stiller will tell him what kind of business enterprise he has in mind. But Street Smarts is more a figure of speech. Or... In this case, like a chess metaphor. Eddie Murphy has speech smarts. Speaking of speech, in the middle of the robbery, Eddie Murphy mischievously betrays them all and pulls a gun on Ben Stiller and intends to murder him by shooting him in the face. But this misunderstanding gets worked out by cutting to a scene of Casey Affleck in a bellhop costume yawning between takes. Speaking of taking, even though Ben Stiller's about to pull off a daring tower heist, he asks T. Leone out, even though she's a cop and underfoot constantly and will probably find his finger and butt prints all over the penthouse later using Illuminol. And even though the only night she's free is the night of the heist. Talk about flirting with disaster. (laughs) No one's going to get that. That's the sad thing. They're just going to think you guys are shills. Oh, that's not so funny. <laughs> you know how I obsess about that stuff. It's the same characters. Okay. I think the guy who beat the subway train is assigned the task of causing a distraction by laughingly trying to run over a bunch of pedestrians and people in the parade. <laughs> Did I imagine that part? <laughs> <laughs> the pedestrians in this fucking movie are the real heroes. Cool title for prequel, Tower Murders. At the end, the heist is a smashing success. They get the car stuck in the elevator shaft as planned, and everybody gets captured and put in a paddy wagon, including Alan Alda, whom T. Leone has arrested for not mentioning he had a wall in his penthouse with nothing inside it. And Ben Stiller tells Alan Alda that he's been officially and irrevocably checkmated because a ledger with a bunch of columns and numbers exists somewhere on Earth written in somebody's handwriting. Ben Stiller brags that he beat him by, quote, sacrificing his queen, although, A, Alda taught him that metaphor, so you'd think he'd already be up on this concept, and, two, it's a little unclear what the queen is. I guess getting a Ferrari into an elevator shaft is kind of like en passant, but luckily gold doesn't weigh (laughs) much in whatever universe this movie takes place in. Ben Stiller goes to jail, so maybe he's the queen, although he's also the human opponent, so who the fuck knows? I always get McGee and Brett Ratner mixed up, but I think McGee was the one who compared himself to Hitchcock in reference to Terminator Salvation, and Ratner's the one who ruined X-Men and would have ruined Rush Hour if Rush Hour had been ruinable. Lautner's the cross-eyed werewolf. Lauer's the Tom Cruise guy. (laughs) Ben Stiller, quote, checkmates Alda's character by mailing pieces of the Ferrari to all his aging and or foreign bellhops from jail and an elevator shaft. Although since they got caught, you'd think the car would be police evidence. The black dude who traumatized kids at the subway platform has mailed the steering wheel, at the sight of which his face lights up like he's just been drowned in a billion dollars worth of chocolate. (laughs) Even though he wasn't in on the heist. Oh, yeah, he was. He drove over people. Sorry. (laughs) Anyway. I'm pretty sure he thinks it's an ordinary steering wheel because the paint's still on it. He just happens to dislike his current wheel. It probably takes only about 13 cents worth of gold to shape into a steering wheel, but he's still better off than the maid. Hershey is just the cigarette lighter and a mint on her pillow. I think Michael Pena got the radiator cap and Skyline. Oh, yeah, Judd Hirsch gets locked in a closet with salsa music. I think he starves to death. I forget what happens to Eddie Murphy. I think Eddie Murphy either goes back to prison to rape Ben Stiller to death, or starts a band. <laughs> After the movie, I ran it to Jason Lee, and he told me I looked like Beck. The end. Whoa! You've, I know. Bur- you've buried the lead. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <sighs> well, I felt the need to atone because it was kind of my idea to see this thing. So now I know how you guys felt when you made me see uh, "Dinner for Schmucks."
2: Uh, first of all, Kelly Wan, did you really run into Beck, and did he, did he really tell you that, uh, tell you that? Yeah, it was Jason Lee. He was Jason like, Lee. Oh, right, right. Don't you look like Beck. Not Beck telling you you look like Jason Lee.
0: No, he said I had Beck's fingers, and his son, Pilot, was there. It was in the sticker thing. Sticker City, what's it called? I have
2: no Fox. idea what you're talking about. That must be something on your side of town. We don't have that in the valley. Dude, I drove in the rain to see this fucking movie. Fuck! So it sounds like you didn't like it, uh, what? <laughs> D- Dingus. I've I've already said that I, if I am forced to talk about Tower Heist, I will start to sound bored. Uh, so that that is my that is me tipping my hand. I didn't care for it, Dingus. You must have loved this movie, right?
1: Don't <laughs> care. For I'm it. I'm so crazy. <laughs> I didn't slightly did. I loved it. I thought it was amazing. Awesome. Good. Wow, you're a good actor. You're way better than
2: Tom. <laughs> Uh, so amazing. What made it work so well for you, Dingus?
1: Yeah. The cast? The writing? Noah Bombax uh, writing? Both, both of those things. Uh, the music. The music is phenomenal. I mean, every time the music comes on, I think Kelly put it best, you think something's going to happen. Or something the, funny's happening. You think something's happening or something's going to happen. And the music constantly makes you think something's going to happen or something is happening. And I think that's brilliant. Um, I also love how artful it is when it comes to heists, because a lot of heist movies have a lot of crap in them, and this movie is all packed with great shit. So instead of, like, I I don't know, like having some sort of intricate way to get in the building, like Kelly Wan said, uh, the the characters just sneak in through a door when a bunch of employees walk out of it, and I think that's brilliant. Yeah, the Snoopy, the Snoopy part.
0: Because he wants you don't to see that meticulous. a lot of the
1: time. All right. And even in horrible heist movies like Oceans 12, where there's uh, at least you can see a silly dance routine, there's nothing like that here, so you don't have to worry about that. I love that. They went the extra mile.
2: I think they really <laughs> did. All right, Kelly Wan, do you have a rebuttal for Dingus?
0: No, he's right. I changed my <laughs> mind.
2: Uh, Kelly Wand, what is this about uh, the
0: production that you said is fascinating? Because I would love to hear something that is fascinating about You fascinating about it? Okay, (laughs) it's been in development since 2005 when Eddie Murphy, it was his idea, and he was going to be the star of a ringleader of all black heisters. Okay. With Tracy Morgan and Martin Lawrence. They were going to rob Trump Plaza, and it was called Trump Heist. So the title, Tower Heist, right. Product placement. Yeah, okay. Well, in a way, I thought that, too. It's like, because they robbed the actual casinos in Ocean's Eleven, and I always wondered, like, do the casinos get a kickback from the movie for showing themselves being robbed by people?
1: Wait a minute. This is Eddie Murphy's idea? Because yeah. Because all, all I could sit and think is how how much they squandered. I mean, I just, oh, good Lord. All I could think of was, was Brett Ratner, you, you need to look at a, a host of other movies to find out how to help a, a star... Come back, and this is what you're going to do with him. And it was Eddie Murphy's idea to do this. Yeah, and he <laughs> left. Well,
0: I don't know, but I know Brett Ratner wanted to make an oceans. He was inspired by heist movies in the '70s. It's the same thing with uh McG. It's like it's the same speech almost. I haven't. I don't know if they're physically similar, but they say things like, "Well, oh, he's such a fan of the that stuff," so it's like that qualifies him to be good at making them.
1: <laughs> well the writer ted griffin wrote oceans 11 it's the same writer these they're
0: the writers that you know these guys hired to flesh out murphy's half-baked ocean's i can't Eleven
1: believe enough. that this was eddie murphy's idea because it just feels like i mean your your joke about um about horrible bosses which you know brett Ratner also executive produced or produced oh did he ever. that's um, funny that, that Horrible Bosses 2 joke about Jamie Foxx is a, is absolutely what you think when you're watching this. And how can Eddie Murphy... What the... I'm I'm sorry. I'm just I'm totally freaking gobsmacked now. He's barely in the movie, too. And he was going to be...
0: If you see him as the Ben Stiller character, which was his idea.
1: Well, there's no character in this that lends any energy or muscle to the film. And I don't understand... I don't understand what these characters are. And I don't understand how... Eddie Murphy gets thrown in there as this character. It's just such a squandering of an opportunity. And the idea that it's his idea is freaking me out.
2: <laughs> uh, so, Kelly Wan, why, does the, why did the project take so long? Do, do we know what uh, was the holdup that this this took six years to make?
0: Well, stuff just takes forever. He was... They became more Ocean's 11 and then Eddie Murphy lost interest in it, even though I think his thing was Ocean's 11 it was just blacker. And then he came back once they had the writer from Rush Hour on. It was just political. It's like you're watching people's meetings and lunches filmed. <laughs> <laughs> but they got such... I can't, it's like Casey Affleck read the script. Like, yeah, I totally want to be that guy. He's got the best five. That's, for a cameo role, there's so much in there I can do with that. You were going to say he has the best five minutes? Yeah. What
2: What was uh? What made it a good five minutes? I, I no. do
0: Well, he's he looks intent. He's like watching a monitor, isn't he, or something? Doesn't he change it? Doesn't he have a hair shift? How long do I have to talk about this fucking movie? <laughs> I'm,
1: I feel bad enough that I made you waste. 90 well, I, minutes. Can, I can I can complain about plenty, but we don't have to do that. I mean, the Casey Affleck thing alone. I... <sighs> I don't understand what the what the I mean, from a point of view of an actor who's getting a paycheck, that's fine with me. But I don't understand how you squander all these guys, and you don't have anybody doing a single thing that's interesting or original in any way. Is it just me,
0: or did they forget to write jokes? And I don't even mean that in like that like that's supposed to be a funny line. But like, I really thought I was watching. Like, there's something. There's just no payoffs to anything. They're acting like it's all really happening, but it's so. It's. It's like they're doing a drama or a schmaltzy coming of age story. <laughs> I couldn't figure out the tone. I didn't understand how I was supposed to feel about Ben Stiller's character.
2: Wasn't well, the you're line. You're right. Yeah. Go wasn't ahead, the line, uh, we go on Snoopy? Wasn't
0: that a joke? What did what that f- mean? That's funny in any language. Dude, hangover two had jokes in it. Like, you could. Whether they worked on it, you go, ah, C minus. But in this, it's like, there it was. Very quiet, and the and it was like packed, and no one was laughing, and it wasn't even hostile. After it was like tedious, bored silence. Like, yeah, here we are. It's raining outside. It's warm in the theater.
1: My theater was packed, but I felt like the laughter was forced laughter, very forced. But would they laugh at? See, yeah, <laughs> good point. They laughed at biggest um, laugh the- in the movie instantly. <laughs> Also, too,
0: here, this will excite Tom, because it's about production history and not about the movie, so it'll distract him for a minute. This was the movie that uh, Universal wanted to put on demand, like, a couple weeks after it was ah, right. video yeah. on demand, and then for Comcast customers, and then the theaters went ape shit and went, no, then we're not going to show it at all, fuck you, and then how did that resolve do
2: you know because it was just for a couple of markets like uh, atlanta or something like they were they were going to try this in a few markets where it was made available on video on demand, either before or simultaneous with the release, and it would be something like sixty dollars.
0: Right, uh, so sixty dollars a- for to watch Tower Heist at home. Well,
2: okay. but the, the that's if like if you assume Kelly Wan that a family goes to it. I mean, that's a good value for a family who might want to go out to see a movie. You, you know, you've got two parents, you know, some kids in tow. You have to pay, a, or you pay a babysitter or whatever. So f- for some people, sixty dollars to see a, a movie is pretty much what they expect. Uh, and I know that the the theater chains were up in arms about this. And we're threatening not to show it. I didn't see what the resolution of this was. Is this now available for video on demand? Do you know?
0: No. Oh, Universal okay. caved, and Occupy Universal was a success. The theaters <laughs> camped out in tents and went. This is what are what, nuts?
2: Good for them. All right. Okay.
0: But I'm I, I'm kind of bummed about that because I were uh, It's such a shitty movie. I really would have been curious to see how this thing did. Like this is the first movie you can watch at home, and it's this for sixty dollars. Which in your if you're saying a family would watch it, like you're, you're gathering grandma and the kids are around to watch fucking Eddie Murphy's bobby pin sequence. Well, we don't actually see it, but um, sixty bucks seems like so much for any movie, doesn't it? It just seems like such a horrible idea. It's right, like yeah.
2: Netflix all over again. No I mean if you, if a family goes out to a movie, uh, that's pretty much what they expect to pay I think
0: it all, it also implies it's like the studio believed in this movie so much it wanted to make this that maiden voyage. like this will be the thing that trans this is the future of filmmaking the Tower Heist. We're gonna put this in people's homes the same, like they won't have to drive to go see Tower Heist. We're going to make it the most convenient thing ever because this is the material that will make them change their whole ways
2: uh i think it is bank- banking on this being like the return of eddie murphy i mean i think that's what they're thinking when they expect that people will care enough uh,
0: yeah he's in two or three scenes that's return, and i heard i saw that too i keep seeing this like return to form like from where from meet dave how far back are they going 48 hours Oh, because he's playing that kind of guy. Yeah, yeah, that's what I thought. So everything we see is just a rip-off of some shit we saw 30 years ago. Thing prequel, Eddie Murphy's doing 48 Hours without Nick Nolte.
2: Well, for me, this movie is a classic example of a movie as product rather than entertainment. Uh, And I just have very little say about it. I was completely unimpressed. I was bored. I... Uh, I'm not even sure I can muster – I like, I admire Dingus' passion <laughs> about this. Yeah. I honestly cannot even care that much. But I, I really think of it as this is a studio product. Uh, but those can
0: be good. Dark Knight was a studio product.
2: I disagree. I mean, Christopher Nolan's kind of – he's more of a traditional auteur, don't you think? Like, he's – he, he's a visionary filmmaker, and all those clichés. Uh, I don't think there's anybody involved with this or about whom you can say Wait,
0: that. Wait, Zack Snyder's the visionary, by the way, according to the commercials, not Christopher Nolan.
2: See, I'm not even sure I would call Sucker Punch product. I mean, Sucker Punch is so the, the, the result of one man's vision, even though it sucks... Uh, There's no vision to Tower Heist. Tower Heist is, uh, like I say, studio product. There's no vision. There's no sense of of glee. There's no sense of... you know, Everything's derivative and not in the sense of an homage just because there's... I I think there's no creativity to it. This is
0: a creatively bankrupt, dull,
2: forgettable movie. Uh,
0: Not one actor seemed happy to be doing this. They must have been... And they paid so many fucking people. Like Judd Hirsch... They... It's unbelievable.
2: Okay, let's go around the table and all will say what was the least sucky moment in the movie. Because as I was watching it and realizing, oh, this is terrible, I got to thinking, okay, I'm going to look out for the least horrible moment. <laughs> uh, can, can you guys all come up with something, do you think? Think we could do that? Like, let's pretend we want to recommend this movie. What would you highlight as being recommendable if you were forced to do that? You guys got something?
0: Uh, the imaginary scene in my head where they drive the car, and it's made of gold, like a, oh, it's, it's you're driving a car that's made of gold that Steve McQueen drove, and the cops have to catch it. That's what I thought was going to happen.
2: And by the way, uh, Ferrari's way too prissy for Steve McQueen. I didn't buy that for a second.
0: What movie is that from? Bullet. Is that the Ferrari movie? No, that's talking don't... about.
1: But it's not even a real
0: car. That's the thing. It's plot. It's a MacGuffin. It's, it's supposed actually to
1: be his actual car
0: that he wrecked in, right? Right, right? right. But it's got. gold. But that wasn't. I didn't it wasn't made of gold? Well, no. no that's, that's what the point. Was, yeah.
2: yeah, exactly. Alan Alda replaced it with a, a gold.
0: Like it was just. So hiding real car? I don't know. They threw it away. <laughs> Isn't that worth more? I don't know. It makes a car with the gold. It seems like an awfully. Complicated way to be rich. I had two separate people in
2: my theater from separate points of the, the audience who, the moment that the movie wants you to realize that it's the car, saying out loud as if they had just hit on it themselves, "It's the
1: car." Uh. <laughs> and I loved did, did they did they say it's Chekhov's car?
0: <laughs> yeah, that's the that's the tone I had when I saw the film, the car on DVD in Tom's living room. <laughs> Uh,
2: Dingus, what is the one moment you would salvage from this movie? Kelly can't even come up with a real one. He had to. There was I, one I forget. I forget. Oh, Dinosaur, remind me. All right, will come back to you. So, Dingus,
1: what's the one moment that you would salvage
2: from this movie?
1: Um, I like seeing uh, what's her name, Nina Arianda from Win Win.
2: Oh, that's who that was because she was adorable.
1: Yeah. I, I liked her coming in and saying, you know, a shark is born a shark, or whatever she says. Uh, I, I liked her, you know, studying for the too, bar.
2: I liked her, too, but what a terrible line, too, that that's her payoff line.
1: A oh, it's, it's horrible. Yeah.
2: <laughs> okay, here's my one moment. It's it's two syllables. Wait, Yeah, it's two syllables. It's an Eddie Murphy moment, um, and it was just like a weird little exchange. It was four lines back and forth, and it's when uh, the push girl is cracking the safe, and they're doing their little banter, and one of his response at one point when she says, are you married, is, what's up? <laughs> <laughs> like like he knows she's hitting on him, and that's his response, what's up? And their huh. little thing about, you know, I'll dance on your pole, or whatever that was. Uh, those, like, four or five lines back and forth, those, those are the, the only moment from that movie that I would preserve. Uh, <laughs> so, all right. But you all
0: right y'all get to see it. They don't hook up.
2: Right. But that, that that little exchange, like a few lines back and forth, the, it almost seemed as if the actors were enjoying themselves. Like there was a little sense of chemistry and fun there. Like at, at that little moment, I was like, oh, this is kind of cute. And
0: He at least was doing a character. It was one he's done to death, I would argue. But I, he was at least trying to be funny, I thought. And Ben still, I didn't know what the fuck he was doing. He just seemed miserable. He seemed really bored. Remember how awesome Greenberg was? Yeah. But you see, it's like... It's like they cast Greenberg as this guy.
1: Like, oh, great! Now I got to play this fucking shit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is what I wanted to do with
0: my life. I just wanted to do nothing.
1: You can just imagine Ben Stiller thinking every time he, every time the the director says cut, thinking, "Remember how awesome Greenberg was?" <laughs> and Noah Baumbach wrote both, so there you go. I, I, refuse, I
0: refuse to believe that. I refuse true. to if, believe that too. Also, Kelly, he got a check. He got a check. They could ignore it, oh, dude. You, know, you don't know how this works. They just they, they people show up and then they just throw the script in the fire and then they go. I mean, All right, where, so are you, anyway.
1: where are you getting this? I could say that Francis Ford Coppola worked on it. Where are you? Where are you getting this? That Noah Zelmanbach uh, worked on it. I well, entered to
2: you that George Lucas worked on this. What do you think of that? Yeah, good point.
1: It didn't
0: have that much CG in it. <laughs> uh, I, you know what? I but here's the thing. Okay, I did not see a trailer for this movie. I saw the poster for it. And then that's what triggered And then I saw the cast. So and then I I, I lobbied you guys to see it because for some reason I fucking thought it was a die hard parody or something.
1: I thought it, it was going to be a parody too. I thought it was going to be sort of an airplane for heist movie. Yeah, and we would have like a light hearted goofy romp kind of thing, and it would be a, a, a kickback
0: podcast to do. We talk about what was funny and what wasn't funny, and one of us would be really no, it was I, one of us would be the MacGruber apologist, like no, it was the greatest movie ever, best wedding. And then, I don't know. But, Link, Tom's, Tom's already thinking. He's like, oh, when can I hit the Britney Spears? <laughs>
2: <laughs> I do. I want to say, what? Uh, why can't in a heist movie, why can't the characters just want money? Uh, if, if, if someone came to me and said, Tom Chick, we have this dude who's got $20 million. Uh, he's a scumbag, whatever. Uh, do you want in on this? I would probably be like, yeah, sure. You know what? Count me in. I would not need to be saving someone's pension. I would not need an eight-month pregnant wife. I would not need a foreclosed Manhattan apartment. Yeah.
0: Uh, I gives a shit.
2: Yeah. I, like, why in, in, so many heist movies are taken up with
0: establishing noble
2: intentions?
0: And this has, like, characters. five? So, like t- right. right every one of them gets spelled out for a half an hour.
2: And the thing is, if you have a heist movie that doesn't have that, it becomes like a treasure of the Sierra Madre's like morality tale about greed. Right. Uh, I, I just for once want a heist movie where the motivation is simply that hey, money is kind of awesome to have, so yeah, let's let's take this this free money. Um, well, that's all kind
1: of have- Reservoir Dogs works, isn't it?
2: No, because they all have terrible endings in Reservoir Dogs. I mean, they all come to... Wages some, of sin. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's a treasure of the Sierra Madres. It's the the money is everybody's oh. undoing. Uh, you know, either in a heist movie where the, the characters are noble, you need to establish that they have some ulterior noble motive. Otherwise, it is, like a, like Kelly Wan said, a movie about the wages of sin. Because you're doing terrible things, you are undone by your greed. You know, treasure of Sierra Madres, uh, simple plan, Reservoir Dogs, that kind of thing. Well, back in the 70s,
1: it uh, 11, then. Is Ocean's Eleven just about money? Then I don't know. Don't they have sick grandmothers and whatnot in that movie?
0: You <laughs> or, might. Maybe
2: you're right. Dingus, Dingus, going to bat for Ocean's Eleven. Very nice, Dingus. All right.
0: <laughs> well, he's trying to he's trying to woo Julia Roberts by ripping off her boyfriend or something. They had some other thing they needed to do. Didn't they want to get that? And didn't they do like a sting? Like even the sting has. Oh, we got to avenge the dude who got killed. Yeah, yeah.
2: It's like a revenge thing. It's not about the money. It's about the revenge. Isn't that part of Ocean's 11, 12, 13, and 14 dingus? I'm not sure.
1: I don't know. I I haven't seen Ocean's 11 in a long time, but I just thought that what they were going for was the money, and they got everybody to to get the money. In that case, I approve. But
0: in the 70s, they'd have things like uh, Richard Pryor's Some Kind of Hero and Dick and Jane where like, society was so lame and shitty that they were driven to crime. Like, you, okay, it's the only thing we can do, and so the comedy arose from –
2: well, you know, that, that was a little. I, I, I wonder if that's part of what they were trying for here, this kind of zeitgeist about right. getting back at Wall Street. You, you know, right. like, and and there's potential there. I, I I think not that this movie was able to realize it, but uh, I, I I thought we were going to get something like that. Like Dingus said, you know, what if you could steal money from Bernie Madoff? Of course you would. Nobody has any moral quandary about that. You're stealing from a thief. Of course you should do that. Right. Uh, And that's kind of, that's this zeitgeist about Wall Street uh, that that people feel. But it couldn't even do that. It couldn't have noble intentions, yeah.
0: Spelled out endlessly, and instead, like, that could have been done funny, like, in a funny way, make the Wall Street, like, make Alan Alda's character funnier, even? Like, he's a funny asshole? Like, the horrible bosses. Yeah,
2: you know what? Colin Farrell should have played that role with his his fake comb-over hairstyle. I would have liked that.
0: Um. Who wants to see Alan Alda play the corporate villain? (laughs) That's fucking... Although I liked him in Crimes and Misdemeanors, though. When he was the dick. Right. That's that's an awesome villain. If it bends, it's funny. That's pretty... He just said that... Oh, God. This movie's so unfunny. I'm so irritated by it. I'm so irritated. Everyone... Tons of money. Pat changed hands. And then I drove in the rain to watch the... yield.
2: Uh, it was beat by Puss in Boots 3D. What do you think of that, Kelly One.
0: <laughs> I played a game during it. It was name some a movie you'd rather be watching. Than the, what you're watching, and I went AI, <laughs> and I was seeing it with a dude. Uh, I won't say what he worked on, but I'll give you like I'll give you a movie that's it's like the equivalent. Like, let's say he just finished directing Yogi Bear or the Smurfs, and he's done it for a year of his life, and he's seen it every day, and he hated it a year ago, and like he just sounds like a, a fucking bell tower sniper. He's so sick of it. He goes, "I'd rather be watching that, and I've seen it every, than this." Movie. Ouch. Wow. Wow. That's so, harsh. do you raise me? I will say Twilight Breaking Dawn Part 1. I would rather see that.
1: <laughs> that had than... my favorite. Oh, I got to see a preview for that. I love that so much. Jack and Jill. Go. Raise me from Jack and Jill. <laughs> Dan, Kelly Wan, you've, got, you've gone nuclear.
2: That's like a scorched earth policy. I can't top that. There's nothing left. There's got to be. I got nothing. Dingus, what do you got? Is Kelly Wan one right out the gate?
1: Um, I think uh,
0: I can't watch Jack and Jill over <laughs> Okay, in that case, Jack and Jill. Damn! <laughs> but it's getting uh, good reviews, Did Explain the 68% on Rotten Tomatoes.
1: I would rather watch Spanglish than watch.
0: The- oh, oh! Ow! Wow.
1: By the way, Taleone. Leone, all right. <laughs> uh, which, uh, let, let me ask you this Is Leone better at faking an orgasm or faking being drunk? <laughs> One, two, three
0: that that was a rhetorical question right <laughs> we couldn't we couldn't do it anymore it's so I I, I, can't. I apologize from the bottom of my heart I will never look at a movie a movie poster is now no longer it's like the jury has to ignore it it's it's inadmissible. Posters are inadmissible in deciding which movie to see. Although, because take, take Shelter, the poster made me want to see it.
2: How about we clear our palettes then with a 3x3? Three three? What do you guys think of that? Can't be worse than what we just did. <laughs> well, here we go. This 3x3 three three this week, uh, I fumbling for what to call it, used the term hair shifts which Dingus liked, but uh, basically what I'm looking for are scenes in which a character either cuts or grows his or her hair, or shaves or doesn't shave. Uh, there's some transitional hair stuff going on. Uh, I want the three best instances of this. Now, you always have the girliest topics. Is this girly? Yeah. A little uh, Hair? Come on. you shoes in a movie.
0: That's that, that one here. Yeah.
2: Here's the thing. I think we're all picking some of the same things because the really good instances of it are are just undeniable. So I think there's going to be a lot of overlap. I've got a lot of runners-up I want to talk about. Like I don't, I don't like this topic because I think we're all going to just mention the same things because there are a few really strong scenes that come to mind, and I think we're all going to share those, none of them being girly. So there. What do you think of that, Kelly Wand? All mine are dudes. Take that. Well, you go first, actually, because you're introducing next week's topic. So what is your number three choice of uh, apparently a
0: dude hair shift? Uh, This was my only serious one, so don't make me talk about it too long, because I don't like being serious. It's kind of hard to listen to. Um, But Jeremy Irons and Dead Ringers, because he had to change his hair to show which twin he was. And he had like that. He had the curl over his head for the one who had more of a conscience. And then the guy with the medical stuff implements torture. Guy <sighs> Is that? I take it that's not one of the ones you're referring to. I'm missing don't
2: something think of, huge. Yeah, I don't think of that as a hair shift. As I mentioned, it's when a character either cuts or grows out his hair or shaves or doesn't shave.
0: Uh, so, I, I, so I totally fucked up the topic
2: uh maybe one of them at some point in dead ringers gets a haircut so maybe that is salvageable do you do you know for sure does that ever happen what yeah
0: they actually start looking like the other dude
2: <laughs> well it's,
0: and it's, personalities change
2: and it is the same actor so uh i guess you could say technically he does alter his hairdo well, well you, you know, know what, you're what?
0: my number two if you think that's bullshit all
2: right the, ju- <laughs> the judges will accept that one uh, really Oh, that's nice of you.
0: I can change it. You want me to change
2: it? I can be my number one, my number three, and then just come up with number one. (laughs) Nope, that's okay. Uh, We want to hear what list you've come up
0: with over the course of the week. No last-minute changes. That's against the rules. The judges will not accept that. See, that's what I'm saying. Like, if you don't accept it, then what happens? If I only have two, then you go, no, that one's not. Right, you lose a point. I lose a point, okay. Right. You're less likely to win that week.
2: Hmm. Uh, all right, so Dead Ringers, your only serious one. After this, we get two jokey ones from Kelly Wand. Uh, Dingus, what is your number three choice for a hair shift? And do you feel, as I do, about this topic? What do you feel? Uh, you don't like it, Tom? Uh, no, I like it because uh, I thought of it, but I think we're all... Well, since I don't think anymore because I see that
0: Kelly Wand... saying... Right. Go ahead. You're saying uh, if you did the topic correctly, as I... Past, we'll all have the same ones, because there's only three good ones. Or you can do what Kelly Juan did until they fucking break shit.
2: Uh, I think, Kelly Wand that you aren't going to come up with the ones that Dingus and I are going to come up with. I expect we will duplicate two of them.
0: Why? You, because um, it's hard for me to
1: think about hair for very long.
2: <laughs> You'll see. You'll just have to wait. So, Dingus, what is your number three,
1: and uh, what, what, what do you got for us? Well, I, I, know, I, I know we will duplicate one of them. Tom and I will have uh, Tom will uh, probably take away my number one I don't know about the what two Tom is talking about but I know he's gonna take my number one um, but I, I like this topic because I like the idea of it but I started thinking should I just run away from the one I want to uh, anyway anyway I like the topic because I think it's a cool topic but you're right we're gonna duplicate uh, anyway, number three, you're not going to take away from me, I don't think. And here's, I don't know, how should I present this to you guys? Give us a line from the movie. Oh, thank you, Tom. That's a Give question. us a strand of the hair. <laughs> All right. Here's a strand of, of my topic for you guys, or a strand of my number three. Did I ever tell you I've got a thing for brunettes? Hmm. What? X Men 2.
2: Okay, hold on. Let me look down my list of runners up and see if he's that saying it's like a
0: storm. storm.
2: Hmm.
0: Wait, that's
1: not right, Diggis. Uh, huh. I do not know. All right, this is a little movie, um, and I don't want to say too much about it, unfortunately, because the the hair shift in particular is a spoiler. But it's a little movie called Tangled.
0: Ugh. Oh dang, that's a good one. Rats! I thought I had to be real hair. That's CG.
2: I, I still like, I still would not displace that from the three that I've got, but that's an awesome one, Dangles. I didn't even think of it because it's a freaking cartoon.
1: <laughs> it is a freaking cartoon. But, um, and again, I, I, know, I don't want to say anything. I just want everybody to see Tangles. Just go see Tangles and, uh, and see how hot, uh, brunettes can be. Wait a minute. What? What? Uh, what? Yeah. <laughs>
2: that's right. droops uh... so uh, my number three and this is actually what made me think of this, although I think there are better instances specifically too of of uh, characters cutting or growing their hair uh, I was always struck uh, by the shift about 40 minutes into The Crying Game, where we're introduced to Stephen Ray's characters, remember the IRA with this long, shaggy hair, and they abduct Forrest Whitaker, and that whole first phase of the movie takes place, and then it all goes awry, and he has to hide in London, and uh, you know he's, he's hunted by his former comrades, by the, the British. Uh, and in that shift from the ambush of the IRA cell in Ireland to him moving to London, uh, he has cut his hair, uh, and I love that transition in the movie uh, from the long-haired, shaggy-headed Stephen Ray to the more sort of tired-looking, old, older-looking Stephen Ray with, with short hair. Uh, so that's my number three. That's a nice one. I like that. And I didn't realize, because I went back and watched it, uh, Jay Davidson, who plays Forrest Whitaker's girlfriend, uh, is a hairstylist. I didn't oh. remember that detail. <laughs> uh, and he goes in. That's his first meeting with her. He goes in to
1: have his
0: hair trimmed. Uh, I was like, oh, good. All right. Euphemisms. <laughs> see,
1: yeah. I, was, I was trying to think of things like that, too. That, that, that I like that transition idea. And I ended up things with things that were more uh, abrupt, but I like that a lot.
2: Well, it isn't. It's a really abrupt transition because the cell gets raided by the British, and then he has to. He has a scene where he's talking to uh, like a, a fellow who helps him escape, and then it's a cut. It's literally one cut, and you see Stephen Ray. Uh, he's, he's at a job where he's running a jackhammer, breaking through a wall, and the wall obscures his face. And then he breaks through the wall, and you see he's got short hair. It, it's like that abrupt. Um, uh, when did you see Crying Game? I went back and watched it. I mean, I didn't watch the whole thing, but I went back and watched some of the first parts, and then I watched some of Jay Davidson's scenes, and it's on Netflix Instant View.
0: Did you Uh, freeze frame the penis?
2: (laughs) I can send you a screenshot of
0: that, Kelly Wand. Mm, Good. I have some questions. (laughs) About about the penis? Well, I know the Asian ones are sideways, but I don't know.
2: Uh, so, all right. Anyway. there's my number three, Kelly Wan. Now, let's get into some jokey territory. Not a serious answer, but what is your number two?
0: Uh, can I replace my number three? yet? Or if I already... cannot, you're locked in. We've joke. already podcasted it. Okay, this is my stupidest one. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck. Humor me until you hear my. I'm gonna. I'm gonna argue it out, and then you can make a ruling when you hear my reasoning. All right. Because right. I think you're ready. You first hear it, you're probably gonna go. Goddamn that Kelly won, and then at the end you'll say it louder. Okay. My number two is James Bond, because each actor's hair color reflected their take on the character. For example, Sean Connery's was dark and brash and whatevs, and Roger Moore's is all red and tidy like a pencil eraser or combed rust. That's what he brought to it. And Daniel Craig's blonde, because he's icy and ruthless. And Brosnan's was, like, tidy, like Moore's, but the same color as Connery's. So he's kind of like a split the difference, like Harry Potter 5. And then uh, Timothy Dalton's is all, you're only going to see me twice, and I only live twice. So it's, like, just there. And then Barry Nelson's is in black and white.
2: Uh, Roger Moore's a redhead.
0: Yeah, isn't he? Isn't uh, that red? I had no idea. You didn't see any of the Roger Moore James Bonds?
2: Sure, absolutely, yeah. I just didn't remember him being a redhead. I wouldn't have thought that.
0: But good for you. What what colors his hair in your imaginary memories? Mm, Dishwater brown. See, I think they did a total recall on you. (laughs) And you're him. Oh, God. All right, so James Bond, all of them. Good. (laughs) Is that that what you're going to do? Really? That's. I think it counts as a hair shift.
1: So I'm asking Tom if that's all he's going to do. If if, if he's going to let you get away with that, Tom, uh, I, I'm not. Uh, you
2: know
0: what? I'm going to dock half a point. So oh, how no. how much am I down right now? One and a <laughs> half down. One and a half points out uh, of two. So I have half course. a point out of two. That's pretty good. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I have one left to make it up. It could be far worse.
1: Uh, can I take a quick break here and and tell you all that um, Brett Ratner uh, produced? Running Scared? Nope, you cannot. Okay, I apologize.
2: <laughs> well, we don't want to know that. Didn't he do no, a- no, Brett, Brett Ratner has produced some great movies. There's, I, as a producer, I, I fully support Mr. Ratner.
1: All right. It's hard I to say. say his name, isn't it? I just wanted to do a commercial break and say that. All right.
2: Can I, I want to do a commercial break and say, in the trailer for Underworld 3D, I, I forget what the actual subtitle of it is, uh, Kate Beckinsale... I don't understand what's going on in the scene. Kate Beckinsale pulls the pin off of a grenade and throws the pin at the camera. What? (laughs) I swear to baby Jesus, that's exactly what happens in the trailer. Is it a... Is it a 3D movie? Yeah. yeah, it's a 3D movie, and they do a thing where the pin she flings it at the camera, and the pin comes right at the camera, and the camera goes through the ring on the pin, and that's how I'm sure that it's the pin. Uh, I don't think they're clear on how grenades work in that movie.
0: Uh, so that, or she's a vampire, so the the grenade won't hurt her, but the pin may choke. The person she's throwing it at with an open mouth.
2: I don't yeah. know what's going on there. It's, it's odd. Uh, and also, every time in that trailer they talk about the war between vampire and lichen, I can't help but wonder if there's also a war between werewolf and moss.
0: <laughs> hey, I, uh, I have a dumb question. All right. No, Kelly Wand now, break for Kelly Wand. Yes. What do you got? Okay. Vampires are immortal, basically, right? Like but, elves, where, right? Like elves, but werewolves are like dwarves. Like they're humans that just can change into wolves. They don't. They don't live forever. So when the vampires just win the war by just hanging out, like just starve them out, like the zombies in twenty. 20- uh, uh,
2: Dingus, can you uh, Facebook Taylor Lautner and ask him about that?
1: Uh, he defriended me, so I don't know.
0: What? What'd you do
1: now? That's the I third time this week. Sh- I made fun of that fetus line from Breaking Dawn. Part one. Say the title correctly, please. I'm not going to.
2: Uh, uh-huh. All right, so those have been our uh, our commercial breaks for our 3x3. Three three. Back to the 3x3 three three of hair shifts. Dingus, what is your choice, your number two choice, what do you have to top Kelly Wan's choice of James Bond, all of them?
0: <laughs> what, which Taylor Lautner movie does he do his hair change most in?
1: James Bond, all of them. See? Ha ha. You have to write right. that down. I'm going to give you guys a quote from this movie. <laughs> all right. I'm going to kill you. Hmm. I'm still waiting on the quote. Oh, sorry.
2: <laughs> <laughs> that's a terrible quote, because that's in... I could name any number of movies,
0: and I would be right. No, they never say that. It's one of those things that you never they never say, but everyone thinks they said. Like, uh... Frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn. Like, that's not really in the movie. Play it again, Sam. Yeah, play it again, Sam.
2: Uh, Dingus, I don't know. That's too generic.
1: Uh Do you have a better quote, or can you give me an actor's name? Uh Sure, I can give you an actor's name. Right. You ready for it? Yep. It's Daniel Hendler. Oh. I didn't see the Harry Potter movies, so I don't know. <laughs> the character he plays is named Coco.
2: Oh, yeah, yeah. Wow, I didn't know the guy's name, but that's definitely in my runner's up. That's your number two. Awesome. Uh, yeah. Tell us about it.
1: All right, this is, uh, I just, oh, God, I love this. It's a double hair shift. It's from a film called Phase 7. Uh, we saw this movie this year, and we did it for this very podcast, to which you are listening and or participating. Uh, it's uh, directed by Nicolas Goldhart.
2: Because and, it's an Argentinian um, movie, Dingus, and if you had said the line, in the native Argentinian, we might
1: have gotten it. I tried to, but it didn't work out. Okay. All right, so uh, the characters in this movie are quarantined in their new apartment building. And this character, you know, one of my original... Uh, I didn't say, I wouldn't say qualms with the movie, but one of the things I wondered about is, is how are we doing passage of time and why isn't it more specific? Uh, but you see the, the main, the, the protagonist, Coco, you see his beard grow as, as they're in this quarantine. And then there's a great moment where he decides to shave his beard into this sort of badass. Uh, configuration on his face. It's awesome. But it's, it's,
2: so little... it's kind of like Eric Bana had in Chopper. Like it's that very, kind of thing.
1: Very good. Very good. <laughs> yeah. It's just very chopperish. And so when he's doing this, when he's looking in the mirror, he's saying, I'm going to kill you. He's doing this whole sort of uh, scary thing, saying lines to the mirror like he's going to kill somebody while he, when he shaves into this badass looking thing. And it's completely. It, you know, for the rest of the movie, this this badass beard that he's shaving into his face uh, is a perfect—I uh, don't know if you would call it foil—but it's it's a perfect counterpoint to what his character actually.
2: Is. It's dramatically ironic. <laughs>
1: yes, yeah, that's a very good way to put it. So yeah, that's my number two: the the phase seven beard growth and then shaving of Coco. So
2: my number two choice is a—it's uh, a bit like it's got similar. Parts to Phase Seven, but it's played entirely seriously, and it does really clarify how badass the character is. And I would have assumed you guys would have all picked this as well. Uh, but it's Taxi Driver, where at the end, when he flips out, he shaves his, his head into a, a weird kind of a, a Mohawk thing. Uh, that that was always just such a weird choice for him to make I mean it makes I don't there's no character I mean he doesn't explain why he does it he just does it and it's crazy and it looks absolutely crazy Um, so there's there's my uh, number two
0: and he looks more like the people he's mad at you'd think like that's what a pimp looks like don't they have mohawks
2: Mm, I don't know a lot of pimps, so I can't say for sure, but maybe that is what's going on there. I I just think it's just insane. It's just like a war – it's like war paint, you know? It's the equivalent of, like, just putting on war paint, which is crazy. Uh, I
0: guess the only reason I didn't think of that one is he changes – his whole appearance looks so different, and it's almost like the hair is just part of it.
2: Well, the hair is the only difference, isn't it? Like, he still has his normal jacket on. Like, how does he look different
1: besides his hair? Doesn't he have glasses on, like sunglasses? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no the the hair choice in that, and that 's one of my runners up but you 're right tom it's it's such an odd choice because it it makes him stick out when that character right. should want to stick out there. right right and that 's what's so great about it it 's just this bizarre choice mm, uh, and exactly. and i mean i I like that you just immediately jumped in after the phase seven thing because the phase seven is him intending to be badass and that yep. is exactly. that makes him just look in, look like a psycho yep.
2: So, all right, Kelly Wan, what do you got to top that? What is your number one choice uh, of a character undergoing some sort of hair transitional
0: state? Um, hmm. I'll do this one, and then I'll do the other ones so as my runners up. All
2: right, save it for your runner up. But what do you got for number one? What's your favorite instance of a character doing his hair different?
0: Uh, in Kingpin. They're both all curly and long-haired in the '70s, but then later, they're both like toupees and dissipated. So that's good. I like that.
2: You do see hair shifts when uh, they're doing flashbacks to characters being younger and older. Yes, definitely. So, all right, Kingpin, number one choice. Kingpin makes a, it's a it appears regularly on your lists, wouldn't you say?
0: Yeah, it it did for non-faked physical gesture.
2: All right, uh, let's check with the judge. Yeah, the judges accept that. So Kelly Wand, you conclude this week's three by three with one and a half points. You are uh, in, you are in the lead. Really? Uh, actually, no, because Dingus and H have two points. You are in the running for second place, Kelly Wand.
0: Hmm. So <laughs> I'm <It's not laughs> like the Saruman.
2: I can spoil it for one of you. Yeah, you're more like the Worm Tongue. <sighs> uh, Dingus, why don't you tell folks what you and I have chosen for our number one? Uh, I will give a quote from our number one. Can you do it in the original French as it was inspired by Francois Truffaut? I cannot. Okay. I don't think I could either. Hate you people. <laughs> by the way, Dingus and I, that is not a parlor trick. We did not consult beforehand on this.
0: Go ahead, Dingus. But isn't parlor trick too Victorian a term to still use on a podcast?
2: Well, I'm part English, so. oh <gasps>
0: Partler. All right, Dingus, what do you got for us? Part English. What's the, what's the line? You're not part English. What's
2: the, of course I am. Who How much it? part? Who, you're one billionth. You're million. an octeroon, I thought. I live in a country that was founded by England.
0: Oh, I see. So That makes me part English. I'm a Cro-Magnon. If you go back. Yes, Dingus? All right. What's the, what's the line? Give you us your show with Tom's genetic brag though show right there. <laughs> Mr. British red coat Good Lord! What the hell are you guys talking? about? I don't know. That was really stupid. That's the stupidest conversation ever. But we only had one this week. And last you
2: know what? I don't. Any conversation that uses the the phrase "genetic braggadocio" can't be that stupid.
0: It all started with Tom's parlor. <laughs> all right, Dingus, what do you got?
2: Give us a line. Said the nope. Brit. The fly. No parlor trick. This is just. I think. And you know what? Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I don't know what you're what you're going to pick, Dingus. Let's find out.
1: It's possible Not. Uh, mine is, uh, my line would be, of course it's dark, it's a suicide note. Mm, mine would have been, tomorrow I'm going to kill myself. So
2: yeah. mine would have been, the line would have occurred immediately before your line. Yes. Or a few, uh, a few lines beforehand. Uh, all right, what is the Get name? Get a room! What is, the- <laughs> what is the name
1: of that movie, Dingus? Uh, the movie would be The Royal of Moms.
2: And do you know that uh, that Tomorrow I'm Going to Kill Myself is from a Francois Truffaut movie? Do you know that little bit of detail? I did not. Ah, okay. Well, tell it. Tell me about the scene, and then I'll I'll give you my
1: little bit of trivia. Um, well, uh, Richie Tenenbaum, played by Luke Wilson, has just found out that his sister Margot adopted, um, who he's in love with, he has been having an affair with his best friend Eli, and this is too much for him to handle. So he goes into the bathroom to cut his hair, <laughs> and um, and decides to kill himself. Now I. I don't know how this shakes out because I've watched this so many different times. Um, and I was just watching it for the haircutting this time. I just, I, God, I love the way this, this, the scene is filmed and needle in the hay is playing as, as it's filmed. Um, or as, as he, as he cuts it. And it's just so tactile the way he's doing it with his little pair of scissors and he's pulling the hair out and he's cutting it and, and the way his hands sort of overlap is he's cutting his beard and he's cutting his hair. And then he shaves part of his beard. And then he, he says the, the line, Tom just said, tomorrow I'm going to kill myself. And then, indeed, uh, he decides to do it right then.
2: Uh, it's like a shearing of a sacrificial lamb or something. I mean, there's this sense of cheering the sacrifice Uh, and just the the dramatic change in look. He's been so obscured under all that long hair, behind that beard, in that that little headband for the whole movie. It's sort of like Luke Wilson's face. Luke Wilson has this very expressive, soulful face. It's sort of like it finally emerges for the first time right before he opts to check out. Uh, It's a very,
1: you know, it is a very powerful scene. And before you made this category, Tom, uh, I never thought this at all. But I went to get my copy of the, the DVD to watch it again, just to watch that scene again. You can watch it online, but I, I just grabbed my DVD. And the cover of the DVD, I looked at the cover of the DVD, and I th- I suddenly went, spoiler alert.
2: Oh, because is he sh- on the, the poster? He's all shaved? Yeah. Ah, right, right. Because I have the poster hanging up. You're right. That's a good point. I don't like
1: that. And they need to go back and
2: rework that. Yeah. Because that
1: is such a huge shift. That's a huge character shift. He's, he's changing from the bomber. He's cutting away that, that sort of bomber persona that he had and becoming, and, and just becoming a kid in a way. I mean, he's just got this naked, almost infant, infant look. He's just so, he looks so vulnerable and before he looked so hidden and, um, covered and, and he's, he's, he's shedding that and, and in, well, it's a, it's a better look for the actor to sort of see that on the poster or in the on the cover of the DVD. It was just so weird to look at it, knowing this topic, and go, whoa, wait a minute. And I'd never thought that before. Thanks for ruining the poster for me now. <laughs> You're welcome. Uh,
2: so there's apparently a Francois Truffaut movie. I don't think I've seen I, I don't think I've ever seen a
0: Francois Truffaut movie. Uh, you did you see uh, Jules and Jim? Oh, God, that's right. I did see that. Yeah, okay, so I've seen at <laughs> that's least... That's so overrated. <laughs> Dude, that movie's not that good. But there's some Francois
2: Truffaut movie, like maybe it's 400 Blows or something, where one of the characters says at some point, tomorrow I'm going to kill myself. And Wes Anderson wanted to use that line, even though it's not <laughs> what happens in the scene, uh, which didn't occur to me really how odd that is until... I don't know if it was an interview or if there's a commentary track. I forget where he said that, uh, where Wes Anderson said he wanted to use the line. But it makes no sense. He looks in the mirror and says, tomorrow I'm going to kill myself. And then he does it then at that moment. Uh, but it's because the line is from a Truffaut movie that Wes Anderson is fond of.
0: So. My favorite Truffaut
1: movie is Close Encounters. I have seen that one, yes. But what it makes me wonder is when you know when you see him going into the bathroom behind Bill Murray on the couch and Dudley sort of over him. Bill Murray's just uh, covered himself up in a blanket on the couch, and you see in the background Luke Wilson going into the bathroom. Is he going in there to do that? Sure, don't you think? Yeah, why would they show well, it? That's true, But he, and he says he wrote a note, so I guess he is. Yeah. That's that, it's either that or to pee.
0: Kelly <laughs> <laughs> one, have you seen the Royal Tenenbaums? No, but I did see Tower Heist, and the <laughs> So i would learned a lot about filmmaking from it. So all of us did dudes. Uh, do you have in your
2: runners-up any chick hair transitions? Because there's a bunch of, like, chicks shaving their heads scenes. of you guys picked any of those. What, Natalie Fortman, you mean? Sure, there's that
1: one. That one's boring. What well, else I'm, you got? It's been a while since I've seen Tangled, but I believe... Tangled. Tang- Tangled is a girl. That's her
0: name? That's the character's name? So, all of us picked either dudes or fake people. I have one girl. It's uh, Lost Highway, Sherilyn Fenn. And William (laughs) Defoe. From that movie, also. If you think about it, that's a hair shift. But do you remember Sherilyn Fenn's scene in it? Uh, I do not. I haven't seen Lost Highway in dog's ears. It's Lost to Memory? Wait, wait. It's not Lost Highway. What did you call it? What's the one with Nicolas Cage and Laura Dern? That's crazy a- at heart. Young at heart. at heart. Wild at heart. Wild at heart. I'm a fucking idiot. Why the hell am I on the internet? <laughs> the internet's too exclusive a club for the likes of me. No. Uh, wild at heart. Sherilyn Fenn. She's like getting in a car accident. She stumbles around. And then at one point, she's like, yeah, something. And then like her, the top of her head just slides off. And she's been trying to like keep her brain in because the car accident. So her hair, it's like a hair shift, literally. It's a little deeper than a hair shift, though. That's a good
2: one. Uh, You know, the famous G.I. Jane scene where Demi Moore shaves her head. Uh,
0: See, head shavings are all the same. I agree. Uh, Alien 3. Same shit. Same shit. See, that's why Taxi Driver is a bad choice, because it's almost a shave. Here's one that I like, uh,
2: because the audience might not notice it. But the fact that one of the characters notices it and comments on it is meaningful. There's a scene in The Squid and the Whale, which is about Jeff Daniels and Laura Linney, and their messy divorce, the character's messy divorce, where Jeff Daniels shows up after they've been separated for a while, and Laura Linney says, oh, I see you've trimmed your beard. And he says, yeah, it's getting a little feral. And he, he scratches <laughs> his beard. And the, uh, I mean, he's, he's just a bearded guy throughout the movie. And but he's, he's not- a feral, dude. Yeah. But the fact that Laura Linney notices that uh, I think is a great character touch. Uh, that, that you know, it's establishing that they're separated, but they're that close that she notices a little detail like he's trimmed his beard, even if the audience wouldn't notice that
0: one. And that his response is still about him. Like he doesn't say something like, "Oh, you've like, yeah, I look different now. I'm interesting."
2: Uh, nobody mentioned fifty fifty. I guess because none of us has seen it.
0: Hair shave, cancer done. <laughs>
2: Uh, at the end of uh, uh, Christopher Smith, is that his name? The guy that did Triangle and, and Severance. and uh, He did a movie called Black Death, uh, and one of the characters is a monk. Uh, and to show the passage of time to far into the future at the end of the movie, uh, the actor playing the monk has like really long, shaggy hair. And I loved that look that he had after you've seen him being a monk throughout the whole movie. So Black Death has a cool one. So it's like a vow of...
0: Not silence, but haircutting.
2: Well, the whole movie is basically well, the, the arc of the movie is kind of about this guy's um, sort of his loss of faith. Kind of Black Death is a weird movie. It's it's presumably a horror movie, but it, it ends up being a little different. Uh, it's got a cool twist to it, uh, and the the monk growing out his hair is a is a significant point.
0: Sounds good,
2: I think. Yeah, yeah, I liked it. I I, I like plagued things. Um. It's not really a hair. Well, it is a hair shift because he has to deal with it, but I love the fact that at the beginning of 28 Days Later, Killian Murphy has been in a coma with the side of his head shaved because he had an operation. So he walks around for the first part of the movie with this ridiculous lopsided uh, hair going that he ends up cutting. Uh,
0: then at the end, he looks different because, you know, it's another passage of time. Exactly, him. Kelly
2: Wand. Yes, it grows back out. Very good.
0: I liked. Uh in Dumb and Dumber, if I made Jeff Daniels and Bill Murray and fairly Brothers, it was a uh, they get they their hair done, they get shampooed, and they try all these different things <laughs> and they went with their original hairdo's. They're Dumb <laughs> That's a good one. I like That's that. good. And then I also like it's the worst movie ever and I haven't seen the whole thing. And the only parts I've seen were with the sound down. But um in Evan Almighty <laughs> Steve Carell, uh, at a certain point, he start he one of his things is he has to grow long hair like Noah, like it's all white and long. <laughs> so he's on the arc, the CG arc, with this fucking long white hair. And I just thought it was really interesting to me that God in this universe was like, okay, that's part of it. It's gonna have to do that because that's how my that like that's his SS uniform, like the long white hair and the robe. 4,000 years ago, still today. It's, <laughs> it's your only chance. Like it's, Those are the rules.
2: Uh, Kelly Wan, does the beginning of Full Metal Jacket count?
0: Yeah. That's a good one. Fuck.
2: Because it's just what? it's just shaving. You, you were disqualifying shaving heads, but I just love how that plays a part into all the characters in Full Metal Jacket, is that you get to see them with all their hair before they get their head shaved and and uh,
0: abused by Arlie Ermey. Well, yeah, and it is and it it affects how his whole face looks, yeah, yeah, he loses his innocence in his hair, I don't know
2: well, all of them I mean yeah, to all all of them just be shaved bald like that at the beginning is pretty dramatic. does Samson and Delilah count you know what it does because i've I've never seen it, but you know what makes me wonder about it and what made me put it on my list of runners up? Here's a little trivia for you guys, huh do you guys know what what movie talks about Samson and Delilah? Delilah. Yep. Uh, Kelly, Wand, do you know it? what is it, Dingus?
1: Forty-four inch chest.
2: That's right. Do you remember that, Kelly? Wand? <laughs> there's hey, that. There's hey, that hey. great sequence where uh, I forget the act. It, it wasn't which which actor was it, Dingus? It wasn't Ian McShane's character, was it? One of them is describing forty-four inch chest. I think it's the actor who nobody knows his name. Isn't he the guy who's? I mean, isn't he the guy who's describing Samson and Delilah, or is it John Hurt? Gosh, I forget which one of them had that great monologue about Samson and Delilah. I'm going to go with John Hurt.
1: You I back thought up it was Meredith. Was... I thought it was Meredith who did it. The guy who was, nobody knows the he... actor's name. No, Ian McShane. I thought it was Ian McShane. Ian McShane. But I'm okay. wrong. I thought he was Peanut. John Hurt was Peanut. Ian McShane oh. was. Uh, but anyway, rate... Al is the guy you're thinking of, but I don't
2: know who played Yeah. So at any rate, there was a great monologue. It actually featured footage from an early Samson and Delilah movie that made me want to see that. Uh...
0: Uh, what you about- mean the 50s one with Hedy Lamarr? Is that the one you're talking about? I think so, yeah. It's it's a grandpa movie is all I know. There's Elizabeth Hurley one too, but she's not as hot as Hedy Lamarr, oddly. Did you see it? Uh, I watched those parts.
2: I think Tom Hardy cuts his hair in that movie where he fights a minotaur called Minotaur. <laughs> I think that's true. Uh, at the end of, there's a great movie, again, it's where a character just shows up with longer hair at the end of the movie. There's a Jeremy Irons movie called Damaged, where uh, at the end, some, you know, the terrible moments of the movie unfold, and then we, at the end of the movie, see him presumably years or months later, and Jeremy Irons has, like, all long hair. Uh, I like that bit in Damaged. The original uh, ending
0: of Army of Darkness, uh, Bruce Campbell's hair's super long because he sleeps too long. So he's all white. It looks like that Monty Python caveman guy. That's pretty the, good. The original You mean that's not the ending that, that we got? Uh, that's the ending that they made them reshoot because they thought it was too depressing. So then they reshot it. So he shoots somebody who's in Kmart because that's less depressing to people.
2: <laughs> what was the original ending of, of Army of Darkness?
0: He drinks one drop too many of this formula that they make him, and he, he's in the cave And then uh, – because it's really funny, too, because, like, it's – he's only just – he does it because he's distracted by a pointless, like, dust rustling from boulders. Like, it's that. Like, oh, what? Oh, no, it's a rock. And then he drinks a drop too much, and then he comes out, and it's all post-apocalyptic England, and Big Ben's all tweaked, and it's all – Oh, they're going to put him to
2: sleep long enough to get back to his original time. Right. (laughs) That's
0: awesome. (laughs) Right. So hopefully if they make Evil Dead 4, they stick with that ending and it's like
2: future evil dead i don't know that's right but there's no none of that sort of jumping around in the hardware
0: department stuff all right which i kind of like that ending too yeah yeah it's fine um but it seems less uh bruce campbelly
1: so any uh, any other runners up those were all runners up weren't they any others oh i i like in uh indiana jones 3 the last crusade when Donovan drinks the wrong from the wrong cup, and his hair grows super, <laughs> super fast.
2: is that, that counts? That's good I guess that. What? The judges are accepting that one.
1: <laughs> I, I also like. Uh, this is kind of these the, these last two don't really. Okay, uh, in fact, there's this moment in Fabulous Baker Boys. <laughs> oh. When- <laughs> i love what you're talking about go ahead when beau bridges makes um, <laughs> makes his brother spray paint his head
2: Dude, that spray on hair stuff on his bald spot it's so adorable uh,
1: yeah. <laughs> and the the creepy one is is from this uh this weird little uh french movie called the ordeal um where uh, the the this this guy uh kidnaps somebody and then cuts all of his hair off Oh, God, that's right. Dingus, quit talking about that movie. I'm sorry. I just thought of it. I just I was thinking of people who, like, just when they when they have the haircut, they look so uh, just shockingly different in that guy since I'd seen Calvair or The Ordeal fairly oh, recently. Oh,
2: God, I forgot about that. Yeah, Ding, uh, Kelly Wand, you should watch uh, The Ordeal. I don't see
0: movies with The in a <laughs> title. So you're not going to see The Debt? I'll see The Last Half, which is... The, the non-duh part. <laughs>
2: uh, all right, good. So uh, there are runners-up. Um, I can't you- imagine anyone wanting more than what we just did. Well, then let's move on to what we're going to do for folks
0: next week. Kelly Wand, it is your choice next week for a 3 by 3 What do you have for us? All right, tell me if we've done this one already. <laughs> but uh, remember in Indiana Jones 4, the shittiest one, where uh, the fridge... He gets inside the fridge.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And it and saves him from
2: a, a nuclear blast.
0: Yeah. It's awesome, too, because the TVs are on. I always found that fascinating in that scene. Like, that's what that's part of the test, too, is the TV tells the non-existent people in that town what the, the bomb's about to come. <laughs> but uh, that's sort of, um, that was their homage, if you will, to, like, the old adventure serials, Flash Gordon and stuff, like, They'd show him getting in all these jams, like he'd get in a ship and it'd blow up, and then they'd make the kids wait till next week to find out how he got out of it. Mm-hmm. And then it would just show him, like, it would show him, they they, they just cheat it. So it's like, oh, he's not on that ship or something, even though you saw him get on it. Like, they just change the shot instead of trying to, instead of just riding themselves into a corner and creatively emerging. Mm-hmm. They would just, like, jip everybody. So... What I'd like from you guys to coin Tom's phrase is the three biggest hero survival ripoffs. I like it. Good. Okay. You're like, what? "What? Come on. (laughs) All right. Good. I like this. Try a little screenwriter, you fucker.
2: (laughs) Biggest, do you have any questions? Do you need any clarification on this? I'm good myself, but okay. I'm good. good. All right, hero survival ripoffs, and that's way catchier than uh, what hair shift. So hair shift, <laughs> well done, Kelly Wand. So uh, join us next week for our three by three of hero survival ripoffs. We will be seeing the Immortals, which uh, we are psyched about because we have seen the Cell and uh, what's the thing with all the fabric and the little girl, uh, the, the Fall, the Fall. Yes, uh, those movies by Tarsem. I don't know, does he still just go by his one name? Is that who's directing the Immortals, or is he using his last name? Do we know?
0: I thought Tar was his first name. <laughs> Jason Lee's son's name is Pilot.
2: Uh, tell Jason Lee we said hello, by the way, and we loved his voice work in The Incredibles. Uh,
0: his, his beard hair like went all the way up to his eyes. Like, because His whole face is a beard.
2: I'm envisioning The Thing now, or uh, the uh, not The Thing, from Adam's family. Was that thing called The Thing? What was that thing
0: called? Thing? Thing? Yeah, yeah, I know you're thinking of Thing. Cousin It. No, 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 Thing's the hand, and Cousin It's the hairy. Ah, yes, very okay. good. Thanks, Kelly Wand. Uh, and which one is Christina Ricci? <laughs> <laughs> uh,
2: I am Tom Chick. I have been joined by Christian Murkowski, M- M- Klaus- M- Klaus- I think it is. It's Christian Morovsky. Mm, I don't think so. And also, Kelly Wand.
0: Also, the movie Hair. <laughs>
2: it was sad to see that. It makes it all
1: right. You see, what have I
0: got to
1: lose? And know that I'm safe. la, 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 la
0: Close my eyes when you
1: drove me to the place where your horses run free. I felt a little ill when I saw all the pictures of the jockeys that were delivered for
0: me. Believe it or not, I wonder if I had a class. Hey, Dingus, Princess Leah changed her hair. <laughs>